When I was young, I had a Beatles wig. But those long pointy boots, they were just too big. But now I'm older, I'm just 19. My feet have grown, and there's a whole new scene. Angel 
Hi, this is the Warner Brothers Music Show. I'm Julie Panabianco, and we're here with Paul Westerberg of The Replacement. So, Paul, how'd you come up with the title of the album? Pleased to meet me, our new record, yeah? It uh, took us um, five, ten minutes to come up with that one. I think Tommy was responsible for that. A lot of, a lot of people didn't get the joke. I see a lot of, uh, or a lot 
lot of interviews and things where they think it's pleased to meet you. Well, yeah, it's sort of, you know, an obnoxious phrase that we've been known to use on occasion. That it, it fit the, uh, the, the cover. The cover is a lot like the cover of Elvis Presley's G.I. Blues. How'd you pick it? How did we pick the cover? Well, let me tell you how we picked the cover. <laughs> it was, you know, we, we've been known to lift a few things in our time, and uh, this one is no exception. It was, uh, we took it from an old Elvis cover, the lettering at least. We, we kind of like the dancing letters, the old 50s sort of feel to it. And we, you know, sort of contrasted it with the, the photo, which was, has nothing to do with Elvis at all. But that was, it was that kind of record. We figured we were down in Memphis, and it was uh, a lot bluesier and, you know, a little, uh, little funkier than we're used to playing. And, you know, that was sort of the spirit we were in. What was recording in Memphis like? Going down to Memphis was, uh, it was the coolest thing we ever did. Because we, we knew we wanted to record somewhere else. We actually, uh, we recorded first in Minneapolis at Blackberry Way. We did some demo stuff. We were planning on recording here. And after um, cutting a few things, we thought that it would be good for us to uh, try it somewhere else where we wouldn't have the distractions of being at home where you can go home at night. And it, it's much better. I mean, for us, we recorded like six or seven records at home. And, and to be able to not go home and be comforted at night, it, it, it's better for the music in a way because it makes you think of nothing but the music. Did you do anything differently when you were in the studio? Like, on, on Pleased to Meet, I mean, what we've changed as far as recording is we've taken our time, which is something we rarely do. It's because we're very impatient, and it was... Uh, uh, it was the best thing in the world for us. It got boring, but it was a. Uh, it also got the better songs. Where we would have, it would if it would have been up to us, we would have been done with the record in a week. Like always, we we pretty much record and then maybe overdub a little later. But this time we would actually play songs over and over and over until we actually got the beat down. Chris was a was, was a big factor in this one, where Dickinson, the producer, got Chris to play in time. And of course, by that time, Tommy and I were, you know, bored, beepless. So we would try it the next day, but just the fact that we took a little longer, I think, you know, paid off.
How do you feel about the replacements since Bob Stinson's left the band? Nine months ago, when we were, we got rid of Bob, we were thinking of breaking up the band. I thought, well, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll form my own band, and then I'll need a bass player and a drummer. Well, who am I going to ask? I'll ask, you know, the best bass player and drummer that I know, Chris and Tommy. And it's like it made no sense. So we, you know, that was like one afternoon, I think, that we thought we would disband because we were, we were very bored with not playing. We had played for seven years, and we uh, all of a sudden stopped playing because I broke my finger in New York one night and because of Bob's drifting away from the group. And, you know, we were, we were afraid for a while, and we didn't know what to do. And, you know, after you, it's sort of like when you stop for a while and you sit back and you look at what you're doing, it makes you think like, you know, is this what I want to do with my life? You know, what the hell is this? Mm-hmm. You travel around and you play your little guitar and people yell at you and then you go and do it again. And it's like you get used to sitting at home and seeing how, you know, regular people go to work and come home and... You think about why you want to do this in the first place. Exactly, and then after being home for nine months, you realize that if you don't do this, you'll go absolutely crazy. Talk about Slim, the new guitar player. Thank you. 
in my mind just the fact that they wake me up to realize when we have a good song. So who are you telling off in the song I owe you? I owe you nothing. That was that was the name of the song. That's a lot of people think that's about uh, Bob or Peter our former manager or uh, the label in particular. It's basically focused at anyone who gets in our way, you know. That's the replacements at their most uh, bitchy, shall I say. I like any song that says, I'm right and you're wrong. I'm, I'm right and you're wrong, yeah. I mean, how, how clever is that? That's, you know, fifth grade mentality, but there's still, you know, a bit of that in your replacements, I think. And the chorus has no words. I frankly like it because the chorus is nonsense. The, the chorus is wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Yeah. Not in danger, 
Flat Black Plastic is the show on mutinyradio.fm that you're listening to. Coming to you directly live from the sunny Mission District of San Francisco, California. Here's more coming.
There was such a pretty little fir tree standing in the wood. It grew in a good place, able to catch the sun, getting plenty of fresh air. And many bigger companions grew round about both firs and pines. But the little fir tree was so impatient to grow. It thought nothing of the warm sunshine and the fresh air. It cared nothing for the village children, prattling away as they gathered strawberries or raspberries. Oh, if only I were such a big tree like the other side, the little tree. I'd be able to spread my branches right out and from my top see the wide, wide world. The birds would come and build their nests in my branches, and when the wind blew, I'd be able to nod grandly as they all do. It got no pleasure at all out of the sunshine, or the birds, or the crimson clouds which sailed over its head in the morning and evening. Often in the winter time, when the snow lay glistening white all around, a hare would come bounding along and leap right over the little tree, and how that did annoy it. But two winters went by, and by the third, the tree was so big that the hare had to go around it. Oh, to grow, to grow, to get big and old. That was the only nice thing in all the world, thought the tree. Be glad of your youth, said the sunbeams. Be glad of your healthy growth of that young life that's in you. And the wind kissed the tree and the dew shed tears over it. But the fir tree didn't understand. Now at Christmas time, quite young trees would be felled, trees which often were not even as big or as old as this fir tree, which knew neither peace nor rest, but was forever wanting to push on. These young trees, and they were the nicest of all, were always left with their branches on. They were placed on wagons and pulled off out of the wood by horses. Where are they going? asked the fir tree. They're no bigger than I am, and one of them was even a lot smaller. Why are they left with all their branches on? Where are they going to? We'll tell you where, we'll tell you where, chirruped the sparrows. We've been in the town looking in through the window. We know where they go to. Why, they go to the greatest honor and glory that you can think of. We've peeped in through the windows and seen them planted in the middle of the worn room and decorated with the loveliest of things. Golden apples, gingerbread toys, and hundreds and hundreds of candles. And then, asked the fir tree, trembling in all its branches, and then... What happens then? Oh, that's all we saw. It was marvelous. I wonder if I was born for this glorious life, thought the tree joyfully. Oh, I'm just dying for it. I do wish it was Christmas. I'm as tall and spreading as the ones that were taken away last year. Oh, if only I were on the wagon now. I do wish I were in the warm room with all the honor and glory. And then, why? Why, then there'll be something even better, even finer. Or, or why should they decorate me so? There must be something even greater, even grander. But, but what? Oh, I'm yearning, I'm pining. I, I can't think what's come over me. Be glad of me, said the air and the sunshine. Be glad of your healthy youth here in the open. But he wasn't a bit glad, although it grew and grew. Winter and summer it was always green, dark green, 
And people who saw it said, ah, there's a nice tree. And at Christmas, it was the first to be felled. The axe cut deep into its marrow, and it fell with a sigh to the ground, feeling a pain and a faintness, and quite unable to think of anything happy. It was so sad that the thought of parting from home, from, from the spot where it had grown up, knowing that it would never more see its dear old companions, the little bushes and the flowers that grew round it, or, or even perhaps the birds. Why, going away wasn't a bit pleasant. It came to itself in the yard when, unloaded along with the other trees, it heard a man say, That's a beauty, we'll have that one. Then two servants in full dress came and took the tree into a lovely big room. Tonight, they said, tonight it's going to be all lit up. Oh, thought the tree, if only it was tonight. If only the lights would soon go on. And I wonder what will happen then. Will trees come from the wood to look at me, I wonder? Will the sparrows fly above the window, I wonder? Shall I grow fast here and stand decorated winter and summer, I wonder? Oh yes, it had the right ideas, but the sheer longing had given it a proper barkache. And barkache is just as bad for a tree as headache is for us. Well, at last the candles were lit. Oh, what splendor, what magic! The glory of it made the tree tremble in every limb, so much so that one of the candles set fire to the greenery. Oh, it hurt horribly. Goodness gracious, cried the young ladies, hastening to put it out. The tree was too frightened even to tremble now. It was really horrid. He was so afraid of losing some of its finery and was quite bewildered by all the glory. And then, all at once, the folding doors were opened and a crowd of children came rushing in as though they would upset the whole tree. The older people quietly followed them. The little ones stood perfectly still, but, but only for a moment. And then they all shouted for joy, making the whole place ring with their cries. They danced round the tree while presents were picked off one after another. What are they up to, thought the tree? What's going to happen? The candles burned right down to the branches, and as they did so, they were blown out, and afterwards the children were allowed to strip the tree. The way they rushed at it, making it creak in all its branches. If it hadn't been fastened to the ceiling by its tip and its golden star, it would have crashed. A story, a story, cried the children pulling a fat little man over towards the tree. Imsy-wimsy, cried some. Willy-nilly, cried others. There never was such shouting and screaming. Only the fir tree held its tongue, thinking to itself, Don't I come in here? Don't I have a part to play? Well, of course it had been in it. It had played its part. And then the man told the story of willy-nilly who fell downstairs, yet came out on top and married the princess. And the children clapped their hands and shouted, Go on, go on, wanting imsy-wimsy as well, but getting only willy-nilly.
the fir tree stood perfectly still and full of thought. The birds in the wood had never told anything of this sort. Willy-nilly fell downstairs, yet married the princess. Ah, yes, that's the way of the world, thought the fir tree, believing the story to be true because such a nice man had told it. Ah, yes, who knows? Perhaps I shall fall downstairs and marry a princess. And it looked forward to being dressed in candles and toys and in golden fruit the next day. The next morning, the servants came in. Ah, now for the finery again, thought the tree. But they dragged it out of the room and upstairs into the attic, where in a dark corner without a gleam of daylight, they left it. What's the meaning of this, thought the tree. I wonder what I'm going to do here. I, I wonder what I'm going to be told here. And leaning up against the wall, it stood thinking and thinking. It had plenty of time for it, for days and nights went by. Nobody came, and when at long last somebody did, it was only to put some big boxes away in a corner. The trees stood quite hidden. Anyone would have thought it was clean forgotten. Oh, it'll be winter outside, thought the tree. The ground will be hard and covered with snow. They, they won't be able to plant me, so they'll be leaving me here in shelter until the spring. Oh, how very thoughtful of them, how good human beings are. If, if only it wasn't so dark and so dreadfully lonely. Not even a, a little hare. It was so nice in the wood when the snow lay around about and the hare bounded past. Why, yes, even when he jumped over me, for, though, though I didn't used to like it, it's, it's so awfully lonely up here. Squeak, squeak, said a little mouse just then, popping out of its hole, followed by another one. They came sniffing at the fir tree and slipping in and out among its branches. Isn't it horribly cold, said the little mice. It's a heavenly place, though, except for that, isn't it, old fir tree? I'm not at all old, said the fir tree. There are plenty a lot older than I am. Where do you come from, asked the mice, and what do you know? They were so dreadfully inquisitive. Tell us, please, about the loveliest place on earth. Have you been there? Have you been in the larder where there are cheeses on the shelves and hams hanging under the ceiling, where life's a bed of tallow candles and where you go in lean and come out fat? I don't know the place, said the tree, but, but I know the wood where the sun shines and where the birds sing. And he told the whole story of its youth. The mice had never heard the like of it, and they listened and said, Why, what a lot you've seen. How happy you've been, old fir tree. I'm not old at all, said the tree. I only came out of the wood this winter. I'm in my prime and have only had my growth checked. What a lovely storyteller you are, said the little mice. And the next night, they brought four other little mice to listen to the tree. And the more it told, the more clearly it remembered everything that it thought to itself. Yes, they were rather pleasant times, but they may come again. They, yes, they may come again. Willy-nilly fell downstairs and yet married the princess, and perhaps I may marry a princess. 
and the fir tree's thoughts turned to a birch tree. Such a pretty little birch tree that grew in the wood. To the fir tree this was a real lovely princess. Who's Willy Lily? asked the little mice. And the fir tree told them the whole fairy tale. It remembered every single word of it. And the little mice were ready to jump right to the top of the tree for very joy. The next night, the next night many more mice came and on the Sunday even two rats. But they said the story wasn't amusing and this saddened the little mice for now they too thought less of it. Is that the only story you know? asked the rats. That's all, answered the tree. I, I heard it on the happiest evening of my life, only then I, I never realized how happy I was. It's an extremely bad story. Don't you know any with bacon and tallow candles in it? No pantry stories? No, said the tree. Then you can keep it, said the rats, and in they went. In the end, the little mice also stayed away. And the tree sighed. It, it was so nice when the nimble little mice used to sit around me listening to my story. No, even that's all gone. But I'll remember to enjoy myself when I'm taken out again. But when would that be? Well now, one morning somebody came rummaging about in the attic. The boxes were moved and the tree was pulled out. It was rather rough the way they threw it on the floor, but then all at once a man dragged it towards the stairs with the daylight shone. Ah, now for a new life, thought the tree. It could feel the fresh air and the first sunbeam, and now it was out in the yard. It was all so quick. The tree clean forgot to look at itself. There was so much to see around about. The yard was next to a garden. Everything there was in bloom. Roses hung fresh and fragrant over the little railing. The lime trees were blossoming and the swallows were flying about saying, Twitter, Twitter, Tweet, my husband's come. But they didn't mean the fir tree. Now I shall live, it cried joyfully, spreading wide its branches. But alas, they were all withered and yellow, and it lay in a corner among weeds and nettles. The gold paper star was still at the top, glittering now in the brilliant sunshine. Playing in the yard were a few of the merry children who had danced round the tree at Christmas time and had been so delighted with it. One of the smallest rushed up and tore off the gold star. Look what's still on this ugly old Christmas tree, he said, trampling on its branches and crunching them under his boots. And the tree looked at all the glorious flowers and fresh growth in the garden. And it looked at itself. And it wished that it had stayed in its dark corner of the attic. It thought of the freshness of youth in the wood, of the merry Christmas Eve, and of the little mice that had listened so delighted to the story of willy-nilly. All all over, said the poor little tree. If only I'd been happy when I could have been. All, all over.
And the servant came and chopped the tree into little bits, a whole bundle of them. It made a lovely blaze under the scullery copper. And it sighed so deeply, every sigh like a little crackle. So the children playing in the yard ran inside and sat down in front of the fire, looking into it and crying, Bing Bang! while at each crackle, which was a deep sigh. The tree thought of a summer's day in the wood, or, or a winter's night when the stars were shining. And so in time, it was burnt out. The boys played in the yard, the smallest wearing on his breast the gold star which the tree had worn on its happiest evening. Now that was all over, and it was all over with the tree, and the story's over as well, all, all over. And that's the way of every story.
Flat Black Plastic on Mutiny Radio. Dot FM. Support the arts. Come down to the station. Give money. Make things better.
Well, everybody's heard about the bird. Man, that was a great intro, too. Well, everybody's heard about the bird. Um, keep your hands off of it till you're ready to play it. Oh, well, everybody's heard about the bird. how you came by this record, but you are now embarked upon a journey that must certainly lead you to change your life forever. If you were never a special person, you are a special person now. Hello, Seeker. Now don't feel alone here in the New Age because there's a Seeker born every minute. 
Yes, I'm Dr. Happy Harry Cox, and call me happy because I am. <laughs> because you're listening to another in a series of my mind-breaking records, Men Never Lived on Earth, which started off with I Came From Outer Space, followed by Strangers at Our Door, which includes the ultra-high-speed recording of real gas music from Jupiter. If you haven't got them, buy them now. I was right about the comet. Get them and see why. Write me here in my award-winning communication trailer, Space Nyan, Blue Mouse Trailer Resort, Hellmouth, California, 90666. The Aztecs invented the vacation, and women are the same. Our forefathers took drugs. Your brain is not the boss. Yes, that's right. Everything you know is wrong. Hello, seekers. Here we go again. And hello, especially to the skeptic inside you who might still believe that pigs live in trees and that faithful rover is nothing but a pet sleeping by the doggy door. Well, doggone it, he's smarter than you'll ever be. Yes, I've got proof here that his ancestors came from the dog star millions of years ago to rule the earth.
Flatback Plastic MutinyRadio.fm Dos y dos son cuatro y cuatro y dos son seis Seis y dos son ocho y ocho dieciséis Cuenta la tablita y hoy a la conté Cuenta la tablita y hoy a la conté Dos y dos son cuatro y cuatro y dos son seis Seis y dos son ocho y ocho dieciséis Cuenta la tablita y hoy a la conté Cuenta la tablita y hoy a la conté Di ay de di 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 ay biri ba di yo bo biri ba bo bi yo bu biri ba bo bu ba C A K C K C I K I K C O K K I K K C U K K I K K K K Mm-hmm. 
gonna show you how the little playboy play around the yard with his flute when he's doing that.
the skyway heard the song Skyway. Skyway. A lot of people don't know what the, the Skyways are. They don't have Skyways in too many places. I know. That's kind of why I liked it, too, because it's our own little private song for Minneapolis. It, they're basically the sidewalks above the street because it's too cold in the winter to walk in the businesses, you know, feel they'll get people to come downtown. And it's like you can walk for miles and not ever go outside. You can walk around the whole city through the Skyway system. And it's generally the people who are shoppers and and work. And so this song was sort of written from the point of a guy who's, you know, like myself, who I, I don't go up in the skyways, you know. I mean, what do I have to do up there? I, I never go shopping or anything. So I sit down there and watch the people walk by. How do you write your lyrics? Do you run around taking notes? No, I never, I don't write things down. I, I try that before and then I end up with a... Uh, you know, 45 pieces of napkin and stuff with little lyrics and I'll sit down and write a song like, you know, all these words on a napkin and they don't make sense to me, you know. So it's like, it never really works for me like that. I figure if I can't remember it tomorrow, then I'm sure as hell not going to remember it when I get up and play live when I'm excited. Do you change the lyrics a lot? I do. To make it fresh for me and plus, I frankly don't remember them all the time and I will... Uh, a lot of times I'll sing words that just sound good to me. And then I'll, and I'll work a song that way by trying to rhyme with the one word that I continually keep saying that, that sounds good to roll off the tongue or to spew out. You'll notice I, I sing a lot of words with the, the vowel sound of I because it's very easy for my voice. I have a low voice. And it, it's easier to hit a high note saying I than it is O. What singers do you admire? Did you ever try to sound like someone? I definitely spent time copying people. Right. Not uh, consciously at first, and then uh, not consciously, but it was very apparent to me. I could hear where I was trying to sound like John Lydon or, or Rod Stewart or Paul Rogers or, uh, you know, whoever. Black Flag or something. And you know, you sort of grow out of that. You realize, well, you know, you don't have the greatest voice in the world, but at least it's better to sound like yourself than, you know, John Lydon or, or Rod Stewart or Paul Rogers or, uh, you know, whoever, Black Flag or something. And you know, you sort of grow out of that. You realize, well, you know, you don't have the greatest voice in the world, but at least it's better to sound like yourself than, you know, be a fool and sound like someone else. What about the song Nevermind? Nevermind was, uh, is one of my favorite songs in the record and it almost didn't make it because it was uh, it was done the way it was and a few people thought it was very vague and I tried to go in and do the lyric over and I got pissed off 
and then it ended up with the lyrics that are on there. So the, partially the lyrics are for the people who are trying to make me change it. And it is like, it's, 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 over, it's all over, but the shouting, you know, never mind. It's like, get out of my face. You know, if the song doesn't make sense, that doesn't matter. It's the feeling is there. I mean, I can, the feeling is like, never mind. It, it's similar to I don't know, but I don't know a little, a few more steps. It's like, okay, you know, just never mind. You don't understand me. I don't know what to say to you. The words I thought I brought, I left behind. So never mind. Great line. Yeah, well, I stole it. <laughs> Paid us fifty bucks. Black, black plastic. Radio.fm